Hello, everyone. I'm Eric D'Souza, and you're listening to Crime Writer Canada's podcast, where we discuss all things crime fiction with crime writing authors from coast to coast. Joining me today is Tony Olivier. How are you today, Tony? I'm great, Eric. But first, a little bit about Tony. Tony Olivier is known for his gripping, high-concept thrillers. He's the author of the David Knight series, which has garnered multiple awards, including winner of the Best Thriller in 2022 by Canadian Book Club Awards, and the Bronze Medal in the Suspense Thriller Espionage category of the 2023 Reader's Favourite Awards. The first book in the series, The Amsterdam Deception, was followed by the sequel, The Tokyo Diversion, published in August of 2023. Tony has travelled the world and currently resides in Vancouver. By day, he works in competitive intelligence at a software company based in Portugal. His impressive career has included stints in Xerox, Apple, IBM, and Microsoft. In his first book, The Amsterdam Deception, Ballet dancer David Knight is abducted while touring in Amsterdam. He's implanted with the memories from a Cold World spy. A Silicon Valley billionaire needs him alive while a TV evangelist wants him dead. All he knows is he's being hunted by people he doesn't know, in a place he's never been, driven by memories he doesn't want. With such a fantastical debut novel, you had the undaunting task of plotting a follow-up how would you possibly put David Knight through a rougher ride? Well, yeah, thanks, Eric. So, uh, you know, as you, as you said, he's uh, he's been implanted with the memories of a dead spy, and uh, he lives to see the second book. Um, <laughs> and the in the Tokyo um, in the Tokyo diversion, he's he's back to work. He's in the ballet company, the National Ballet of Canada company. My uh, the backstory is um, uh, my wife went to the National Ballet School in Toronto, and I uh, I know a lot more about a ballet about ballet as a you know uh, as a domain than I than probably most software guys do. Um, but he's back in the ballet company, but he's he's pretty angry, and he's angry because of these memories are sort of having an impact on him. And he's you know early on he gets uh, called up. Um, by um, an old spy master wanting to do a very kind of a quick little bit of uh, intel uh, on a soft, another software company that's based in Seattle. Looks like it's going to be an easy thing. You make some good money. Um, and then, of course, things start to unravel um, and ends up he ends up having to go to Tokyo um, to save um, the life of a little girl. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 a different story. Um, similar characters lots of intrigue and lot and it gets into lots of problems i've been reading the beginning and uh one thing i enjoyed very much so is that you know a lot of times in some thrillers it's almost like a, you hit a reset button after the first one and it's you know it's tough spy starts the second one that's not the case in this case because he's still sort of suffering uh his relationships with his best friends have changed he himself has altered um I don't want to give anything away, but there's mention of PTSD, which is a very logical thing to happen. Um, I think you say the memories are gone, but a lot of that that spy is still left in him. So it's all negative. But do you think there was any positive? Is it the old adage that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? Is there any of that for David? 
Well, I remember, you know, in my twenties, you know, I, I was going through a lot of, a lot of things at the time and you don't know what you're going through. And it's part of it is kind of coming of age and his story is kind of a, it's a forced coming of age story. And uh, he doesn't quite real, realize at the time, but he actually has the the uh, internal resources and the resilience to kind of get through anything. But he doesn't realize that at that point. Um, all he all he really knows is he's got um, he kind of has residual residual anger from these memories of this you know sixty something Cold War spy that are kind of coursing through his 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 body. He's not he's not sort of aware of it. Um, consciously, but it's in the background. He's 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 pretty grumpy. But I think it's you know at that age, you know having you know having the I'm going to say kind of gravitas of a of an older man sort of available to you is helpful because he can do things and he can has a confidence that that you know uh, somebody somebody of the same age would not necessarily have going through life. Uh, now you did mention your wife's background in the valley and your strong knowledge of it. But still at the beginning of the day, when you put pen to paper, you had to make a decision of who David Knight was. And most of us, I'm not going to say all of us, but most of us when writing a spy novel, I wouldn't think the ballet dancer, not typically considered sort of the macho spy guy. But at the same time, as soon as you think about it, that guy's going to be tough, but still, why did you choose ballet? It's actually I, I know that I know the time. Uh, my wife and I. This was this was twenty odd years ago. We were traveling uh, uh, on a trip into Europe, and we were in um, in France. We were actually in Bordeaux, which is this south of France. And uh, we ended up going to a ballet. There was a ballet playing. We went. My my wife, being in the industry, we went to go see this ballet. And it was it was a, a piece that we saw was a, an all male cast. And it was it was called Troy Games was the was the name of the the piece. And I'm sitting there and I'm and I'm been writing at that time. I've been, I wanted to write thrillers, and I'd seen male ballet dancers before because I'd been in you know with my wife on this. But I just realized these guys are incredibly athletic and muscular. Like they're basically all every one of them is almost an Olympic style athlete, right? With you know from a musculature. And I went, that's an <laughs> That's an interesting. That's an interesting character. It's very unusual. Um, and how can I make this work, right? And and I'd been around enough of the the dancers, and uh, we had enough uh, male dancer friends. Uh, we were. She went to. We lived in Toronto for a while, so she went to the National Ballet School in Toronto. And I started working through it, and it's like, yeah, this this would actually work. He would have the physicality if he had been given these skills. Uh, he would be absolutely be able to have the be able to execute on these skills, right? If you were able to, if you if you were able to have um, hand-to-hand combat skills being downloaded into you, you know, you need to have the body to be able to do it. And he he absolutely had that. Yeah, because fair enough, because of uh, those spy uh, memories were implanted in me, I don't think I was going to get through <laughs> it. So fair point. Um, you know, I'm going to ask you a question. It used to be my favorite question, but I haven't been asking it lately, but it's sort of how your day job affects your writing. So as I mentioned a bit, you're a technologist and you've worked for some of the most innovative software companies in the world, including Xerox, Apple, Lotus, Microsoft, and IBM. With that background, did that sort of change the way you wrote your story? What actually, so what changed, changed the way I wrote? So I've got a, I have a technology band, obviously, and this 
it is a, you know, it's a, it's a spy thriller and I've got some technology in, in the first book and the second book. Uh, but what really changed is, um, and this was, I didn't, I didn't join, you know, uh, Apple or, or IBM or Microsoft to, to travel, but I, I ended up in a job that allowed me to travel worldwide. So all of a sudden I'm, I'm dropped in Amsterdam for, I was in an event and I was dropped in Paris and I was, you know, so I've been able to travel around on the company dime uh, quite extensively, e even, even Japan. I've been to Japan about a half a dozen times on somebody else paying, which is, which is, I'd recommend it if you could do that. Uh, and I found that, you know, and usually what I was able to do was able to get some, some extra time, you know, a couple of days to be able to, to travel. So um, as I started writing, I, these, these locations kind of came into my writing and I realized oh, that's a, you know, a lot of people don't get a chance to do that, right? You can, you can certainly with Google maps, you can, you can, and YouTube, you can see what things are, but, but um, you know, I was able to bring some of this international flavor into my writing because of the, the jobs that I had. Um, I guess sort of still technically uh, technology related question. Uh, you write about fantastical concepts, um, you know, having somebody's thoughts and memories being implanted into another human being, total science fiction, or at least it sounds that way. Technology is going very, very fast. Do you think perhaps in our lifetime or even shorter 10 years from now, you know, your science fiction will actually be science? It's, it's pretty, it's pretty close now. Um, they're certainly doing there. There's, um, there's certainly different drug therapies to remove memories, uh, remove sort of traumatic memories. Um, you know, the one thing I was reading that, um, they've done some tests with some, uh, with, with worms they were teaching, I think it was worms or an insects, but they were, they taught a worm how to go through a maze and they basically, um, fed the next worm, the, the previous worm, and that me the memory was able to continue through. So there's certainly some, some science around um, memory implantation and, and, and transport, whether it's going to be exactly the way, the way we have it, I don't know, but, but brain science is absolutely, um, uh, you know, happening these days, right? That, you know, you being able to whether it's control robotic arms with a brainwave, there's there's so much happening right now. So I'm I'm thinking, yeah, probably you know within ten and twenty years, that's going to be able to be uh, come to pass. I'm trying to decide if I should be excited or worried, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe a bit of both. Uh, well, with all your travels that you've had, uh, I know this book came out in 2023, so you must be working on book number three. So can you give us a sneak peek of where you're thinking of locating it and? How could you possibly put David through worse? So uh, because of this, the company that I work for is based in Portugal, and I've been able to spend um, uh, several weeks, um, you know, over the last few years in Lisbon. Uh, it's so far, and I've got, I'm probably half done the first draft. It uh, takes place in Lisbon. And um, I opened the story. Uh, David is uh, basically awakes. He's roughed up by by three men that are speaking a foreign language. He goes, who are, who are these men and where am I? And he realizes very quickly um, that he's in, he's in port in Portugal and Lisbon. He'd never been there before. It, he's, he's was in a hotel room. Um, there's evidence that there was a woman 
with him in the hotel room. He doesn't know which woman it is. And he's trying to figure the last memory he had was he was in a, um, a, it was a ballet after party in the UK and he's going, well, how did I get from the UK to Portugal? And, and why, why am I here? And why, who are these guys and why are they roughing me up? So that's the, that's the, that's how I've started off the story. And I'm, and I'm going from there. Wow. Well played to from new memories to completely forgotten memories. Yeah. <laughs> you made his life worse. Good job. Tony. I'll, uh, we will look forward to that. Uh, to anyone who hasn't read your two novels, um, it's hard to pick them up and not try to finish them. So I'm uh, looking forward to what you do next. Well, thank you. All right. And to everyone listening, thank you so much for um, listening to this podcast. And um, a few weeks back, I interviewed a Manitoba author, M.M. DeLuca, and received a few comments that listeners enjoyed the conversation about her gothic mystery novel, The Nightside. So to return to that theme, next week, I will be interviewing Toronto author Carolyn Topjian, whose two novels, The Hitman's Daughter and the follow-up, The Black Moth, are gothic thrillers. I would also like to say that I really appreciate your feedback. If there's a particular subgenre of mystery that you'd like to hear more about, Canada is filled with many talented authors and it's a pleasure to chat with them. If you're enjoying these interviews, please rate them and review the shows. Coming up soon, but not yet, we're going to be doing over the award seasons and perhaps some of the past interview people I've had, I'll have to talk to again. <laughs>